You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America. Today, I have the honor of interviewing a very wonderful man who I have learned so much from. And the last time we did a radio show was 10 years ago. Today, we are interviewing Dr. John Skidmore, who is a clinical psychologist and a performance coach at Brigham Young University. He is a singer, an educator, a researcher, and an author, and has just in 2020 authored a book, Conquering Anxiety. And I'm so excited, John, to interview you today and to find out what inspired you to write this book. John believes, Dr. Skidmore believes that the path to peak performance starts between the ears, not in the practice room. For decades, he has been helping performers from around the world find freedom on stage and in life. He believes that as a performer, you have gifts to give, stories to tell, and songs to sing. His work is about teaching performers the tools and skills to powerfully share their gifts. In March 2020, he authored, co-authored Conquer Anxiety, How to Overcome Anxiety and Optimize Your Peak Performance. He's on the faculty of Brigham Young University School of Music and teaches the psychology of music performance. He has a private psychological practice in Orem, Utah, and he does a weekly free webinar every Thursday at 11 o'clock called Conquer Anxiety Now. His website is johnskidmore.com, and we are so excited, Dr. Skidmore, to interview you today. I just, your life is full, it's packed with purpose, and I think that something that I love about you is that just being in your presence is so inspirational. It Every time I think of your name, and I haven't talked to you for years I think of you and I think of performance. And right now I'm teaching a class on rewriting your self-image by imprinting God's image upon you. And I think that self-esteem, self-image has everything to do with performance. I'd love for you to tell our listening audience what inspired you to do the work that you do. You do work with, with addiction. You do work with performance. You do so many kinds of, you've done retreats and wilderness retreats and so many things that I've known about through the years. And I would love for you to just hop right in here and share with our audience what you're passionate about today. Well, thank you, Karen. It is a pleasure to be here and it's great to be able to share some time with you again and to continue our association. Looking forward to continuing to do that. Um, Really creating freedom in our lives is one of the things that I've built my life around. How do we create freedom? And to begin to recognize that so often the things that shut us down, stop us and block us aren't in front of us, they're between our ears. And so when you talk about rewriting that self-image story in terms of how I see myself, if I can see myself as someone who can move forward, I move forward. If I see myself as someone, no, I just move to the side. That's what I do, I move to the side. That's right. That's that's where I go, I go sideways, Mm -hmm. I don't go forward. Okay, and maybe I'm someone who goes backwards. And so the whole idea that as we learn tools and skills, and whether I've worked with, I mean, I've, I've been in clinical practice for over 30 years. I've had a chance to teach thousands of people in my practice. Uh, 
worldwide. Um, you're doing a lot. You were telling me the other day that you're doing webinars that go to Brazil. You have students all over the world with Brigham Young University well, well, actually, and beyond. Well, and beyond. Um, I've got a workshop in Sicily, Italy in October. There's going to be a four-session workshop. No, I'm not going there. Isn't webinar wonderful? Webinar has been amazing. It's been very good for me. But really, the the commitment that I have is there are so many tools and skills. There's so much information out there that when we're using, it's going to help us create freedom in our lives. It's going to help us move through those things or past those things that are holding us back. But if we don't know the tools, if we don't have access to the tools, if we don't even know the tools exist, or if we're trying, but yet it's not working, um, we pretty much stay stuck. And that can be in such a variety of ways. That can be with weight loss, your performance in your in your food plan. I mean, every day things that we're trying to do peak performance in. Your job performance, relationship with kids and family, so many different areas where we just get stuck and stuck in our old habits. And we just kind of go with those until we really get determined. And that's one thing I love to talk about anxiety in general. It starts with the decision. I mean, it starts with the decision, I am going to be uncomfortable. Wow. It starts with, I am going to be uncomfortable right now and move forward. And that's one of the hardest things I get as I coach people with that is like, you want me to be uncomfortable? Like, I thought you were going to help me like be out there and bold and expressive and free. And you want me to be uncomfortable. It's like, uh-huh. Because you have them face the discomfort. Absolutely. It's a really fun, exciting process to watch when someone really decides to find that courage to say, I am going to go out there and face this. Well, you you were sharing with me the other day when we were talking that you're moving from clinical psychology into full-time coaching. Right. So will you be taking on more clients? I'm taking on a lot more coaching clients at this point in time. And so I've had- People from around the world can find you and- and do webinars? Do you do them via webinar? I do webinar. I'd be happy to go in person as that, if that's workable. Um, mm. And really just looking how I can, whether I'm going to a college to present at a you know, college situation in a music department, or whether it is uh, teaching a class at a high school. I mean, wherever I can work with this, because again, my commitment is to get these tools out there because they make such a difference in people's lives. I think it's so wonderful that with all of your gifts and talents as a singer, as a psychologist, that you are using your talents to bless people to find their gift, yes, to find their purpose, to find their calling, and to help them succeed. It's like being a talent scout and helping people to become their best and overcome those drawbacks, those things that are just hedging up their way to step outside of their comfort zones. We've got to expand that comfort zone. I mean, top performers have an incredibly wide comfort zone. They know how to manage a lot of what's going on in their world. Mm -hmm. And they're able to do that in such a way that they can step out there and um, really perform. Even when they're having personal crises in their life, they're able to shift out of that mindset and just move back into performer role. So I've got some wonderful questions that I would love to ask you. Uh, what do you think is the number one fear that people are facing today and why? You know, I think the number one fear really is uncertainty. I agree. And what the fear of uncertainty is, is when something shows up in a certain way, they might fail. It might not turn out how they wanted. It might not be good. It might not be good enough. Uh, it might actually be hurtful. And so that sense of you know coping with the uncertainty of things 
and the fear of not being able to handle or manage the uncertainty, how those two things go together. I think right now, especially with what's going on in our nation, that that is a, a, probably never been truer. I think there's a universal fear of uncertainty and, and that feeling of how will I cope if this, that, or the other happens? What will my performance be? I know that during, this is kind of a funny thing, but I started watching these movies about people that had endured concentration camps mm -hmm. and stories of amazing people. One was called Paradise Road about a group of women, a true story about a group of women that went to a concentration camp and how each of their personalities fared in this, concentra in this concentration camp. And I thought, you know what? I've never thought that before. I've never thought, how would I be? What would I act like? What would I be in that group of that circle of women? But now we're thinking, okay, what happens if, if our lives were to suddenly change? Who would we be? What would we draw on? Would we have the courage and the strength to face these things that could possibly happen? that we never thought were possible before. So I appreciate that you're you're hitting anxiety square on and asking people to face that. I want to ask you, what drove you to focus? Was it your experience as a clinical psychologist in as you were helping people through their experiences? Or was it anything in your personal life that said, I need to face my own anxiety. Was there any time that you ever felt anxious? That's a hard question. Oh, that's an easy question to answer. And the answer is absolutely yes. I can look back in my 60 years. And for the 50 few years that I remember, I can see lots of places where, oh, there was a pivot here. There was a turn here. There was an adjustment made. And oftentimes it was because of anxiety. It was like, Oh, I played the trumpet really well until there was somebody else played the trumpet better than me. But then I started to sing better than I played the trumpet. So I started <laughs> singing and dropped the trumpet. Okay. It's like And the confidence grew that I am a good singer, that I can do this. This is my forte. Absolutely. It led to a vocal scholarship. That's amazing. And so I got to sing. Have I ever heard you sing? I don't know that I have. I need to hear you. We'll have to try that sometime. <laughs> I, I know that we could do a great duet. Um, it'd be fun to sing with you sometime. But, you know, the, the reality of singing, and this is where things really came clear for me, is because as a performer, I grew up in a musical family. And I grew up taking lessons of piano lessons and trumpet lessons and voice lessons. But no one ever talked to me about performing. It was like this big expectation. So if you, and so the basic rule I got was if you practice enough, and it doesn't matter what it is, if you practice enough, you'll be able to do it great, right? Well, it doesn't always work that way. Because what you can do behind closed doors and, and have to enjoy for yourself is different when you're standing in front of an audience. And there's times we can say, I'm totally ready and I'm prepared for this. And we go out there to perform. It doesn't show up. Was it because of a lack of practice? Rarely. Something That's else true. got in the way. Something else was interfering. And so being able to recognize that as we want to perform, we want to share, but we need tools to be able to do that. And that's one of the things I really specialize in. And we'll be right back after these messages.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. We're back. Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant interviewing Dr. John Skidmore, who is a clinical psychologist and who is becoming a full-time coach for anybody out there who feels like you are suffering from anxiety, but you know you have a gift, you know you have a talent, you know you have a purpose, you know you have a calling, but you just need the assistance of someone who specializes in offering tools that can help you to move through the anxiety after facing it and become the very best version of yourself. So Dr. Skidmore, tell us what are some of these tools that you have to share with the world? I wish I could say that these tools were like rocket science and really, really big or really, um, really difficult. They're not rocket science, they're brain science. And when you start to look at the brain as a peak performance tool, that's one of the most exciting things ever is to say, well, this isn't just a thing on my shoulders. This is my peak performance tool. Am I using it like that? Am I respecting it like that? Am I developing it as a peak performance tool? For example, all of us are familiar with stress and anxiety. We know about that. Um, we've experienced that in many forms throughout our entire lives. But what we don't often recognize is the relation between, relationship between stress and anxiety and how that interferes with our goals. It's great to have stress and anxiety when we're in danger. That's what it's for. I've walked into more than a few rattlesnakes as I've been traipsing around Utah. I've never wanted to bend over and pick one up. That's just <laughs> not what I've wanted to do. Um, but to start to look at this and say, okay, I need to understand the physiological mechanism of this anxiety response. And a lot of us have information about this. And a lot of us don't. But not only do I understand, need to understand the physiological side of it, it's the psychological side of it I really need to understand. Let me share with you, uh, this is just a great little tip or hack for anxiety right now. When we get triggered or activated, activated is the word I like to use. Mm -hmm. Technically, the sympathetic nervous system is now activated. You walk into that rattlesnake, that system is now activated. Well, I coach all my performers to use the word activated and you replace any words such as anxious, nervous, stressed, freaked out, uh, panicked. No, I'm activated. It's like my sympathetic nervous system is now activated. I like that because it takes the emotion out of it and it makes it very, you're looking at it square on for yeah. what it is. So it's basically I'm activated. And also in the idea of activated is implied deactivate. What is activated can be deactivated. Yes. Uh, it's actually pretty difficult to like deactivate stress response stuff um, in terms of on to off. Uh, a lot of people have tried things like taking a deep breath. They've tried things like meditating. They've tried things like visualizing, but they get so anxious and they're going, it's not working. So they stop. Uh, in fact, the student in my class uh, Monday, he said he tried a breathing exercise. and said, well, how long did you try that breathing exercise? About 30 seconds. Like, not enough, not enough. And he hadn't practiced it. He didn't have that skill down. Mm -hmm. It wasn't natural to him yet. So one important thing is to recognize we can be activated in an instant. And it can take at least 20 minutes for that activation to fade away. Because you've got those chemicals now going, the adrenaline. They need to burn out of the system. Mm -hmm. They need to be out of the system. And what too many of us do is we keep adding the the adrenaline. Oh, I'm nervous. Oh, Oh, what if I really mess up now? What if I can't do this? What if this happens? 
we keep pumping more of those chemicals into our system. And so we can really build that anxiety. And that is just really uncomfortable and it's no fun at all. And it's so difficult. Do you think that this is where anxiety attacks come from? Is is perpetually thinking about it, focusing on it, concentrating on it so it feels worse? Well, that certainly contributes significantly to the sense of anxiety. There's the technical term called participatory or anticipatory anxiety. I was going to say participatory anxiety. A lot of people have that too, but uh, <laughs> participating in makes this right. Uh, but it's actually anticipating something generates anxiety. And so they're really creating a negative mindset, a negative physiological state around whatever that is. And it usually proves out to be rather true. Well, because they have created it in their own mind. Yes. And they're experiencing it physically, and they don't really have the tools and skills to uh, manage this. Uh, I put out there, there's two favorite stories here that relate to this. Um, I put out on a website, what would you tell your students as a teacher? What would you tell your student who approached you right before the big event, who came up to you and said, I'm nervous? What would you tell them? And I heard lots of different responses. Some were pretty good, and a lot of them were really kind of ridiculous. Welcome to the club. Oh. All right, that's going to help a 10-year-old, right? <laughs> um, and, um, and the one teacher said, I have my students eat a banana. And she had heard somewhere that there was something in bananas that reduces anxiety. Now, if you've heard that as an audience, I'm sorry for the misinformation that you've been taught or told. That is so funny because my daughter just came in the other day and she said, Mom, I just learned that bananas have the same ingredient that turkeys have that make you sleepy. What is that, tryptophan or well, something? I don't know There's lots of different things in terms of chemicals, but the amount is so small for one. And if there was anything in a banana that had the effect of reducing like performance anxiety, there'd be specific rehab programs for banana eaters who would have to buy them <laughs> at pharmacies. You could maybe eat a bunch of bananas. Well, this, so this 10-year-old uh, boy literally, and this teacher said that it works really well with my students, except for the one boy who ate four bananas and then threw up. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if you think about this, his teacher said, eat a banana. So he did. His anxiety didn't go away. So he ate another banana. His anxiety didn't go away. It's probably getting worse. So he eats another banana. His anxiety is getting worse. Now what's he going to do? So he eats another banana and throws up. Now this kid's going to need some therapy someday. About um, bananas. About bananas <laughs> and about performing and recitals. But see, he was not getting correct information. He did not have the tools and skills to understand this. Uh, contrast this with a young singer. Her name is Audrey Edwards. She's got some fun stuff coming out right now. She went to one of my workshops and she came back from an audition and she said, oh, I could see everybody was so activated. And she recognized how she was one of those. She was doing that. She was just as activated as they were before. And like, they didn't know about activation and I knew how to manage what I was experiencing. And she nailed her audition. And she was thrilled that she could go in there with a completely different skill set and mindset and manage that in the way that was so important for her. Um, and again, that's just the power of correct tools that manage, I mean, that work and that can really make a difference. And so to start thinking of our brain as a peak performance tool, we've got to understand that that midbrain, that stress response, is really for dangers and enemies. And we don't want to get stuck in that. We want to be able to make the decision to move forward, which is more of a frontal cortex under the forehead kind of place in the brain. And that's where that decision to 
decide to be uncomfortable really is important. I think that's really an important awareness that we have a choice, that there is a choice to choose into discomfort or to choose to persevere. I had a voice teacher who told me, Nola Valentine, she said, the first time I got up to sing a solo when I was 16, she said, now, what are you feeling? I said, I have butterflies in my stomach. And she said, well, there's just like one molecule different between I am nervous, I am scared, and I am excited. So when you feel these butterflies, tell yourself, I am so excited to do this. And you know what? That worked. That one tool of teaching me to interpret what I thought was fear as enthusiasm and excitement, I never got, I was never afraid to get up in front of an audience to sing ever again after that, because she gave me a tool to under help me to understand what I was feeling. And what a great piece of advice that we want to focus on creating a positive mindset. One of the things that we don't often understand is that midbrain gives us a mindset by default. Snap, it's right there. Um, if I held up a candy bar, who wants a candy bar? Boom, hands would be in the air. Who wants roasted seaweed? <laughs> uh, I don't want that, you know. And so recognizing that that midbrain is really a space where our history, all the uh, things we've been taught, different bad experiences, traumatic experiences, disappointing experiences get stuck there. And when we get activated, they show up in the first response, which is also physiological and in attitude and mindset. And so really the tools that um, I've researched and worked with are really about designing a mindset so we can step into an optimal performance kind of mindset. I am excited for you to have all of these things that you have studied. Have you put them into this beautiful, light blue, beautiful book, Conquer Anxiety? Have you put that in there? We're going to come back to that question, to the answer to that question. And the answer is yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be right back after this station break. We're so excited to have you here, Dr. John Skidmore. And so grateful that you have focused your life on helping develop tools so that people can find the best version of themselves and perform to the best of their ability. This is Karen Lynn Grant, Joy Coaching America. Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. You've tuned in to Joy Coaching America with Karen Lynn Grant, interviewing Dr. John Skidmore. And now, John, we're going to talk about your book, Conquer Anxiety, How to Overcome Anxiety and Optimize Your Performance. What a great title. And I am excited to have you share with us, how would you break this down and give our listening audience some understanding of what this book contains? Well, it's really a very simple format and it's an easy read. And I want it to be seen as a very practical tool. 
So consider the first thing we talk about is the brain as the tool. We get into the depth, the different parts of the brain. And I like to break the brain into four or five different places or parts that really make a difference. We have that midbrain, as I talked about, which is all about our anxiety, the trigger of our stress response, and our history. We have an analyzer brain. And what do we do? We analyze situations. And then we have a decider brain where we get to make a decision. So if you walked into an ice cream store, you would quickly view all the different options, analyze which one, this, that, how much of this, and come up with your single scoop, raspberry cheesecake, sugar cone, that's what I want. And then you have to act, activate the part of the brain that says, okay, voice, say that, command that, you know, put it out there and pay for it and walk away with it. And so it has a lot to do about the brain. That's the first part of it. The second part is really a very intriguing assessment. One of the things that I bring from my clinical psychology work is when I meet a performer, meet with a person, um, with just a few pages of information, I get to see what helped program their brain, what kind of experiences they've had, what kinds of attitudes and beliefs they've had. So that assessment is in the book? It's in the book. Do they send that to you? Um, people I coach do. Okay. They send that to me, and then I review that, and then I'm able to say, okay, this is what I'm seeing. Because as I go into this assessment, what I really get is a mental map that says, well, this is where I've been, and this is what stopped me from going where I want to go, and this is where I want to go, and what do I need to get there? And so sometimes it can be as simple as just recognizing there's some attitudes that really need to adjust. Are auditions terrifying and humiliating? Well, if that's the mindset you take into an audition... Uh, you're going to have a very different experience. Right, your throat's going to clamp up. You're going to not hit those high notes. Very different experience than if you walk in there with the idea of the mindset is auditions are gateways to opportunity. I want to get really good at auditioning. I want to go into an audition with a great mindset. I want to come out smiling. Okay, that's my goal. I love it. Do you teach this at BYU? Yes, this is in my psychology and music performance class. So how many, like... I just think that would be the funnest class to come and take. Oh, it is the funnest class to take. Um, it's a delight to teach. And uh, it's a life-changing class. I met a store clerk just last week who, once again, thanked me for changing his life 30 years ago in my class. Wow. I think that's awesome. Can people just, how many credits is that class? It's, two, it's not enough. It's a two-credit class. Anybody can take it. That's awesome. It's, so... Um, do you use your book? Do you use this? Yes, I do. It's exciting to bring this into, in fact, really this book has come from the context of my class. How do I teach that? All the stuff I've learned really in terms of performance coaching has come from the countless students and the experiences I've had as I've been working with them to make a difference. So, you know, when you go back to the book, it's really about, okay, we got to understand the brain and what kinds of thinking and what kinds of experiences we've had. And one of the things I discovered as I was teaching my class is we didn't have a process. We really didn't have a tool to help us perform. Again, so much was about the expectation. And when we met the expectation, we were all happy. And when we missed it, we were all upset. And we're on this roller coaster of upset. And so one of the things that's come from my class and on the different experiences I've had is to create a completely new perspective on a performance. See, the majority of performers, whether this is in a job interview or a sales call or a parenting situation or in a Broadway audition, it doesn't really matter. We go into it with lots of hope. We're excited. We want to do this. Okay, we get all excited about it. We work as hard as we can. 
And we hope and hope and hope at the same time, we fear and worry about messing up. And then when it's over, most people do what I call the post-performance bashing. They just just pick up on everything that didn't go right. And I should have done this. And why did I do that? And why did I, oh, they're so upset. And they walk off stage with a lot of frustration. You know, I had, you know how I'm a massage therapist and I have a vibrational attunement massage yes. table. So I would have singers come and bring their CDs and mm -hmm. we'd plug their CD in. And then the vibration of their voice, their music would pulsate through the table and they get to hear their songs mm -hmm. while they're experiencing a massage. And this is called vibrational attunement massage therapy. I had a singer come. And I thought, this is, she's going to love this. Mm -hmm. She's going to just enjoy this session. I'm going to surprise her and play her CD. And after the session, I'd given her this massage. I thought it was the best massage in the world. And I said, how are you? How'd you like it? And her face was just crumpled. I hated it. It was she, terrible. She hated it. She hated yeah. that experience. I said, how could you hate that experience? I used your music. She said, I heard Every, every flaw. Yes. I heard every mistake. Yep. And I, I was confused. I thought, how that's like going and making a pan of brownies and eating the whole thing and then feeling guilty. If you're going to do it, love it. <laughs> Go ahead and enjoy it. But I could not believe that she was so immersed in, she said, I never listen to my music right. after I record it because I'm too hard on myself. Yep. See, the process I developed is taking the performance out of the midbrain which is going to be a good or bad, a right or wrong, a successful or judgment, failure, right? lots of judgment, and bring it into the frontal cortex. What I believe is, as I've taught people how to do what I call the five stages of peak performance. Um, when you plug a performance into the five stages, the moment you declare your performance, it's already a success. The moment you say, I'm going to perform in six months on this date, it is already a success. Now, I could spend 30 hours going through these five stages. I've got just a couple minutes here. Let me just introduce you to them, and then we'll follow up with more of these about this. It starts with your declaration of, I choose to perform. I was in a congregation or in an audience singing the Messiah sing-in with my book in hand. I heard the baritone soloist, and I said, I'm doing that next year. That's awesome. when my solo came into existence. The minute I, you decided. And I did that a year later. And so stage one is all about what are we doing? What's that declaration? What's our motivation? Why are we doing this? Is this something we are choosing? Is this something we feel obligated to? Is this something we feel shamed into? Is this something we're afraid of? You know, fear is pushing us into this. And then the most important part is what is the mindset we have designed? What's the mindset we're going to design to support this entire process? And this is something we rarely do. We often set lots of goals, but we typically don't set a goal for our attitude or our mindset that we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to go after because we're going to lose it. I mean, how many times we get excited about something, our mindset shifts, attitude changes, we drop it, we're done. So, so the real key is choosing how you feel about the goal that you've just set. And designing that and then practicing keeping that. Keep the mindset, even if you can't determine and, all outcomes. And when you lose it, you've got to find ways to get it back because you will lose it. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this. Mm. Um, I did a research study with a professor, Dr. Paul Broomhead, where we took junior high school students. 
And I had them go into a practice room with a request to sing happy birthday as musically as they could. Well, this was a default experience. They just walked in and they sang it. It was kind of like, happy birthday to you, happy birthday. And Mm -hmm. they walked out and then we divided the group and half of them spent 40 minutes, just 40 minutes with me. And the other half went back to choir. And in 40 minutes, I taught them how to design a mindset. And it was, let's design being bold. Let's design being confident. Let's design being free. And then we had them go back into that practice room again. And when they sang it, it was so different because our control group was the exact same kind of thing. But this group were like, happy birthday. I mean, it was so different (laughs) in terms of how they presented that it was statistically significant. And so this idea that we can design a mindset is really the key to whatever it is we're doing. I so, love it. So as an I audience, think that's awesome. you know, you've got different goals, different projects that you're involved in right now. Just pause for a moment and say, oh, if I'm doing this, did I decide to do this? Why am I doing this? And what's my current attitude about this? This is boring. I hate it. I don't know. It's not going to work. Okay. Well, what's the mindset you want to design? And if you were just simply say, wow, how would I approach this if I were being bold, if I were being confident, if I were being free? I love this. This is phenomenal. That's just tweaking. It's just like turning a dial in your brain and saying, I'm choosing to be absolutely excited, exuberant, and positive about this choice that I'm making to do this thing. We will be right back after this station break. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time. We are back, Joy Coaching America, with Dr. John Skidmore. I have to say that this is one of the most exciting shows that I have yet to record, to interview. I absolutely love it. This is right up my alley. I just am so excited about changing our mindset about the choice that we already made to do something and head, hitting it head on with joy and enthusiasm rather than I have to when we're the ones that made the decision to do it in the first place. So I am excited. You have shared with us how to design a mindset. And I would love to hear a story that you might have. Have you ever had a, a client or a student, somebody that was so good at something all of their life, and then all of a sudden they had a sad experience, maybe one, two, or three, and then absolutely stopped performing, and then you helped them to start performing again? Um, absolutely. I I look at this. I actually call it the I'm not doing that again spell. Mm. Something's happened, and it's like, boom, they cast the spell upon themselves. I am not doing that again, and they stop. Um. When you think about the idea, especially in the learning process, we're risking as we're putting ourselves out there. We're learning, we're understanding, and we will fail. But think of the difference between risk, fail, stop. Risk, fail, risk again. 
Mm. So I've got a great. I love that. It's, it's Is that great. in your book? That's not. Oh, we need to add an appendum. Yeah. Addendum. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it, it is in different ways. Um, so there was a young lady who was in my class and she raised her hand and said, so could this be why I quit singing? Well, let's hear the story. So she shared the story of being um, 14 years old. She was very musical. She played various instruments and she would sing and she was invited to sing a solo in church. She gladly accepted that invitation and her best friend, also 14, was going to accompany her at the piano. They prepared thoroughly. They were well prepared. They were ready. They show up that Sunday morning ready to perform. They're there. It's now time for them to perform. They both go up. She cues her accompanist. She starts. It's flowing beautifully. Until, until the accompanist just stopped playing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, this you could say activated both of them. Boom. Stress response. And that fight or flight took over. They looked at each other. They didn't know what to do. Totally activated. And they both decided they were done. And so they went back to the benches and sat down. Oh. She left the church that day a non-singer. She was subjecting herself oh. to the I'm not doing that again spell. So she shared this with my class. It was like, yep, that's why you quit singing. And she goes, yep, that's why I quit singing. Had she identified that before? No. She no. didn't know why. She just didn't like it anymore. D didn't like it anymore. It's amazing how often that phrase of, I don't want it, I don't like this, not for me, is really a cover for, I am scared to death and I'm not going to risk it again. Wow. I love your risk and risk again. Oh, yeah. Keep trying. Keep, Keep trying. getting out there. It's the only way we succeed is to risk, fail, risk again. And what was exciting about this occurred two weeks later because class starts. Her hand popped immediately into the air and she said, Dr. Skidmore, I just want you to know, I sang a solo in church on Sunday. Wow. Now that is powerful. She went from, I can't do mm. this to now I'm doing it. And that's something that I see is the result of the effective tools. And so this idea that we can design a mindset and we can learn this process so wouldn't it be great to step back and say, wow, there's a process to risking, failing, and risking again. There's a process that I can put into steps and stages that anything happens, I can put it into this process and it's going to come out shiny. And is that process in your book? It's called the five, yes, it is. And it's called the five stages of peak performance. So we just outlined stage one. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And what's the mindset you're designing to support this entire process? not just the event. So stage two is all about the musical or technical or theoretical, whatever preparation you have to do, the public speaking preparation, the, you know, the sales pitch, whatever it is. It's, okay, what do you have to do to get the technical stuff figured out and the mental stuff? Most of us practice a lot of negative mental skills as we prepare for things the way we've been doing them our entire life long. Oh, I hope that I don't screw this up. Oh, man. But when we step back and say, okay, what are the mental skills that we need? And can we practice these mental skills along with the technical skills? So as a singer, you've had lots of voice lessons. So what do you suppose, I'm just trying to share this as a little technique with your, your audience right now. What do you suppose your lessons would have been like if your teacher said, okay, Karen, the first thing I want you to do is take a nice big breath in and just say you're safe and body relax. 
Secondly, what's the attitude you'd like to have with this lesson today? Right, stage one, designing a mindset. Let's just be creative and like, let's wonder what we can create here today, what we can discover today in this lesson. You're hired. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just, I love this because I had a piano teacher that would hit my, oh, what are those? Hit my fingers, yeah. yeah, my knuckles with her pencil because I played by ear. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when I was 11, taking piano, she was 80 something and she was very mean. She was. <laughs> and she told my parents, your daughter has a flaw. She she listens to me play a song and then she plays it without reading the notes and without ca- doing the timing and doing the counting. So I thought I was uh, by age 11, I quit playing the piano be- after one year because I developed the mindset that I didn't do it right, yeah. that I that it was no fun. It was oh, no fun to do it. What, what a painful experience. But we've all had those kinds of painful experiences. This is not fun anymore. No. My mom looked at me and she was very angry and said, do you want to quit playing the piano? And I said, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> and she turned around, started to cry and walked away. And I regret saying that I quit the piano at that moment. You did? Yes. How old were you? About 12. Wow. Again, this wow. is one of those situations where tools and skills were missing, likewise with this teacher. And so when you think about, this is a simple tool, we've got to learn how to manage that sense of activation. See, we get triggered and activated by so many different things. And I call this my 10 count breathing exercise. So your teacher just said, Karen, take a nice breath in. We're going to be joyful and playful and we're going to have fun in our lesson. Okay. Grab your little finger, grab your, between your, grab a little finger between your thumb and forefinger. Just grab that little finger. As you breathe in, squeeze it firmly. As you breathe out, say, body, relax. Next finger, as you inhale, body, relax. Next finger, body, relax. Next finger. Body relax. Next finger. Body relax. Now the little finger on the other hand. I am bold. Let it go. I'm excited. I'm curious about what I'm going to learn today. I'm ready. The thumb. I got this. Let's start our lesson. Wow. That's amazing. And all the meridians end and begin uh, the fingertips. So you're like tightening the fuses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm sure my... I must have learned that from you in a massage or something oh, like that. Oh my gosh. Karen that does is so great. delightful work and especially her music with her table and that music and the vibration is really, and I've experienced that firsthand and by her hand, you should, I can say, and it's just a, a great uh, therapeutic approach. Wow. And you know what? It is when you get the body involved in that mindset change. I could feel a whole different, like I'm tingling right now. Like the electrical circuitry is affected 
through that fingertip exercise. Even if you're not speaking those things, you can you can tighten the fuses in your electrical circuitry, but to add the phrases mm -hmm. and to just do the deep relaxation was hugely powerful for me. Thank you. It's amazing what you can do with a little practice. See, that simple, that takes less than a minute and you've trained yourself to calm your body down and reset your mindset, focus on your goal, and now you're ready. Are you, is that in your book? Yes. Awesome. Everybody, how can we get your book? You can get it at J-O-N-S-K-I-D-M-O-R-E.com or on Amazon. Now, if you get it from me, I will also add a peak performance tool called Relax the Body, Focus the Mind. This is a 20-minute download, mm. and this outlines the five stages in visualization form. So oh, I love it. So it brings meditation and visualization specifically to the five stages. Well, this is incredible. And also, this radio show that will be airing this Saturday will be turned into a podcast. You'll be able to share this link with your friends. And John, you can put it on your website and then people can share it so they can get this overview. This is fantastic. Are you going to read your book on on? Audible books. It's already audible. It's also it audible. Yes. Did you read it? I did not. Somebody, somebody else, else did. It. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this book. This is a huge tool. The book in and of itself is a great tool. So John, we have a minute and a half left and I would love for you to give us a tip. We're going to come back. We're going to do part two because there's just too much beautiful, exciting life-changing information. I think my favorite part of all of this is we all, we're all making decisions about something we should, ought to, supposed to, or have to do. But what we may not have considered is we have a choice on how we feel about those things and we can change it into I get to just by changing our mindset into I'm excited, I'm bold, and making those declarations. So this is powerful input. Thank you so much. Can you give us, that was a beautiful tip. Can you give us another one? <laughs> I can. It fits right into stage two. And stage two is all about the mental and musical or technical preparation. It's in the statement of, my preparation is complete. And this beautiful show is complete. Part one of Joy Coaching America with Carolyn Grant and Dr. John Skidmore. We'll be right back next week with part two of Conquering Anxiety and How to Overcome Anxiety and Optimize Your Performance. Mm -hmm.